Sometimes God works in crazy ways to get who He wants here for a moment. And today, you have a very special treat. Um, a young man that you're going to be blessed by his preaching. He's anointed uh, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He travels the globe, travels, crisscrosses America every single month. And I am thrilled that he's here. He has preached to our students. So it's not the size of the crowd that matters. He preached to our students, or he'll preach to 10,000 people, or he'll preach to us today. And so I am thrilled that he's here. He's just recently in the process of moving from uh, the Carolinas to North Carolina all the way to Dallas, Texas. So like in the process right now, like wife may be in a truck right now, driving the truck with all the furniture. I mean, literally that type of thing going on. And so, <laughs> so pray that his wife forgives him for being out preaching while he is, she's doing all the hard work, okay? Because I've been there and done that before. I'm thrilled to introduce to you, and I want you to give a great big North Church welcome to Manny as he comes and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you give it up? Give it up. How many worshipers in the building? Come on. I'm glad that you would clap for me or stand up for me, but come on. I did not die for your sins. Nobody pulled the beard hair out of my face for the remission of your sins. The Bible says that, come on, he was... But I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts got some people from Boston in the room. Come on, let's go. Uh, if you've ever wandered into that region of America, uh, there's a couple of cultural differences, right? Not as many Chick-fil-A's. Uh, strangers do not talk to one another, all right? Um, and no one has a, like, no one has guns in Boston, Massachusetts, Pastor Rodney. Nobody, okay? So I grew up from zero to age 25, just the only groups of people who had firearms were gangbangers in the police, okay? Like, that's it. But then I moved to North Kakalaki, and everybody and their mama-in-law has a gun in North Carolina, okay? Something tells me Oklahoma's a little similar, all right? There we go. There we go. So I'm, I'm, I'm in North Carolina. I'm meeting friends. I'm, I've got culture shock going on. I gained about 25 pounds in three months, you know, because North Carolinians, they fry anything, spinach, lettuce, tomatoes, like, yep, throw it in the grease, let's do it, okay? But I met my friend Anderson's house, and Anderson wanted to show me, woo, all nine of his guns. My northern brain did not know how to handle this interaction. Uh, he had a gun for his ankle, he had a gun for his hip, he had a gun for his wife's pocketbook. I mean, this man just had all kinds of guns. He showed me his hunting rifle. He showed me all kinds of guns. And then he busted out a shotgun. At this point, my northerness just didn't know what category to put this interaction in. I didn't know if Anderson was saying to me, Pastor Rodney, I'm not the dude to cross, you know? Or if he was saying to me, if you ever get into a jam, I'm the man to call. I just didn't know what he was saying. 
And so I'm looking at the shotgun. I'm looking at all nine of this man's. I'm looking at his artillery, you know. And I said, what's the point of the shotgun? Like, this is the one gun that seems excessive. And Anderson said, well, let me teach you something, Manny, in his southern accent. He said, a shotgun is the best gun for home defense. Because if I heard someone on the outside of my home, if I heard someone tinkering with my lock, if I heard someone trying to steal, kill, or destroy me or my family or any of our possessions, Manny, the shotgun is the gun that I would take. And I would stand on the inside of the very same door that they're trying to break in on. And all I'd have to do is this. Said, And as soon as they hear the sound that's released from the inside of the house, they would become keenly aware immediately that they've messed with the wrong house that night. As Anderson was speaking to me physically, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me spiritually, letting me know that it is the sound that we release from the inside of the house that lets the devil know that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and that the righteous run in and find safety. So I don't know what chased you in here. I don't know if depression chased you in here, but we have created a force field of praise and worship in this place. The Bible that I read says that where one or two or three are gathered in his name, there he is. Oh, come on. We declare over your life joy in the name of Jesus, peace in the name of Jesus. Can you lift up your hands in the presence of God and release a shout of praise in this place? The Bible says that Paul and Silas were in a jail cell. And I would do a lap around the church because I'm Pentecostal. If the Bible says that while they began to worship, their jail cell was open. But the Bible says something way better than that. It says as they began to worship in their cell, every single prisoner in the place began to find freedom. Do you know why we worship? We worship because your praise back there is providing deliverance for somebody up here. And your praise at this campus is providing deliverance for somebody who's watching, who doesn't have enough strength to praise for themselves. So to withhold praise is the most selfish thing you could do because there's somebody who doesn't have the strength to worship for themselves. But I'll worship for you. Oh, I'll lift up my hands and I'll praise God. Why? Because I need my brother to have peace and I want my sister to have joy. Oh, come on. We put a demand on heaven's supply tonight. Come on, sing that out. gracious, you're merciful, you're glorious. God, you're good. You're better than good to us. 
God, we thank you. There's a praise that nobody else can release from me. God, we're not going to let a rock cry out in my place. God, we give you thanks for the car accident that you let us walk away from. God, we give us thanks because other people would have gone through the same situation and lost their mind. But I'm sane and I'm in my right mind. And God, you've delivered me. You're a provider. You're a healer. You're a way maker. Oh God, you're a miracle worker. So we give your name praise in the room tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God, we ask that you would do what only you can do. We do not need a guest speaker tonight, God. We need your spirit to show up in a mighty way. So God, we ask that you would walk up and down the aisles, that you would be the I am that I am, that you would be peace for the person who needs it in the second row, but you would be joy for the person who needs it in the 10th row. God, we ask that your presence would be in the room. What good is it if we've got all these dope lights and cameras and all the people gathered, but we don't have your presence. Moses said, I will not go unless your presence is there. So God, we're hungry. We're thirsty after your presence. You are the most important person in the room. And God, we ask that you would speak clearly tonight. God, if there's anything that I say that's wrong, let people count it to me. And if there's anything that I say that's right, God, I ask that you would get the glory and the praise and the credit and all the honor. God, I ask that you would help me to preach with precision, with power, and with clarity. So right now we speak to every hard heart and we say, be soft. We speak to every blinded eye and we speak to those scales and we say, scales, be thou removed right now. And we speak to any deaf ear that doesn't want to hear the gospel message and we declare Come on, because our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and high places. So we speak to every deaf ear and we say, unmute yourself right now. We bind the hand of the enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And God, we release you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Come on, with power. All God's people said, amen, 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 amen. Come on, you can... Be seated if you want to. I grew up in a black church, uh, and I'm black. I thought I was going to get a clap. Come on, I'm black. There we go. <laughs> any black folks in the room? Come on, any black folks in the room? There we go. I hear a couple of y'all. Come on, let's go. Anyone feel black in the room? There we go. <laughs> black ain't just a color. It's a culture. You know what I'm saying? So if you feel black, you can, you can make some noise. Uh, uh, I grew up preaching at a black church. Everybody say black church. I grew up preaching at a black church, okay? And there's no ambiguity or confusion at a black church whether or not you're doing a good job or a bad job. If you're doing a bad job, okay, at the black church I grew up at, Pastor Rodney, we had church mamas typically sitting in this section of the room right over here, sometimes wearing a little doily cap on their head, you know what I'm saying? And if you're doing a bad job, come on, we all know we've heard bad sermons. If you're doing a bad job, that means your jokes aren't funny. That means you're taking text out of context. Church mama ain't never been to seminary, but she know when she hear heresy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> she know, she knows. Something off about that. That ain't, that ain't the Holy Ghost, okay? Ain't never been to Bible school, but she just know. Uh, it means that, uh, you know, you're, you're a little too heavy on the convict, conviction. It's, it's borderline condemnation. You kind of don't know what you're talking about. You're swimming out of your depth. A bad sermon. Ain't, ain't, ain't it funny how the bad sermons are always long? 
It's like, why can't the bad ones be short, you know? If you're doing a bad job, one of the church mamas that I grew up uh, at, at a church with will stand up in the middle of your sermon and say, help him, Holy Ghost. <laughs> to which, Christian, you're not even mad at the church mama. If you know, if the preacher knows when it ain't going good, you know, and, and you're thinking to yourself, yes, Holy Ghost, now is a good time to help me. Give me a new sermon. Teach me how to sing. Teleport me up out of here. Do something, you know. However, you could be at that same black church, Ooh, and if you're doing a good job, a good job means you're bringing conviction and grace at the same time. People laughing and crying simultaneously. A good job is like a good Disney movie. Kids like it, teenagers like it, adults like it, everybody like it, you know what I'm saying? A good job is like pizza, you know what I'm saying? Black people like pizza, white people like pizza, Hispanic people like pizza, come on, because the gospel is for everybody, come on. A good job, you preaching good, if you're preaching, good, church mama will stand up. And instead of saying, help him, Holy Ghost, a good church mama will stand up. And first, she'll just look at you like something smells bad. And then she'll say things like, boy, you better preach. Okay, we hear you. Say it again for the folks in the back, you know? A good church mama will begin to say things like, amen, so let it be. Okay. Ouch, you know what I'm saying? Like a good church mama will begin to talk back to you. And here's my favorite thing that a church mama will say. This is my favorite thing, favorite thing. Uh, take your time, preacher. Take your time, you know. Uh, so here we go. Come on, come on. North Church, we're going to make an agreement. We're going to make an agreement, okay? Come on, I need you to nod your heads. We're going to make an agreement. Here we go, here we go, here we go. As long as you promise to act black, I will promise to act white. And we're going to do this thing in 27 minutes and 32 seconds. Because the black church I grew up at didn't have no timer. You know what I'm saying? You just preached and the fried chicken was done. Like, that's it. You just preached, okay? You just preach and preach and preach, okay? So here we go. Here we go. Come on, come on, North Church. Come on. If you get quiet on me, I'm just going to keep on preaching, okay? If you want this plane to land in 27 minutes and 12 seconds, 11 seconds, 10 seconds, then you're going to say amen. You're going to be responsive. Come on. Not just because, and let me tell you, come on, I hear you, I hear you. And not just because a preacher's ego needs that, no. It's not why we want you to be responsive. Here's why we want you to be responsive. is because the power of life and death, come on, is in your tongue. I can preach till I'm blue in the face, a black man turning blue, that's pretty funny. I can preach till I'm blue in the face, but guess what? Until you begin to activate what we're saying on stage, baby, the demons that are attacking you ain't attacking me. My preaching don't bring power into your life. No, you have to say amen. If you know you're struggling with your finances and somebody's preaching about wealth, don't let the enemy make you awkward in that moment and get all silent and get all quiet. Oh no, that's the time to kick the authority of a believer and begin to say, so let it be. We speak those things that be not as though they were. Our God looked at the darkness and he never said, wow, it's dark. If he had said that, it would have got darker. What does our God say? He looks at darkness and he says, let there be light. Oh baby, we look at depression and we say, let there be joy. We look at poverty and we say let there be wealth in the name of Jesus we look at cancer and we say let there be healing and wholeness we don't give the enemy power with our words come on hashtag Allen Iverson this is just practice 
Come on. If you can begin to be responsive in church, then you can wake up on a Tuesday morning. Look in your mirror before you get ready for work and begin to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm blessed. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I come. I'm blessed when I go. I'm not just blessed. I'm healed. I'm not just healed. I'm delivered. I'm not just delivered. I'm set free. I'm not just set free. Sin cannot dominate me. I'm not just not dominated by sin. Oh no. Sickness can't dwell in me. You know what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you know what? Greater is he that is in me than he that's within the world. Oh, come on. I am who God says I am and I can do everything that God says I can do. Baby, as you start saying amen in church, you'll start bringing victory home with you. We want you to be responsive in here. Just come on. Hashtag Allen Iverson. This is practice. It's just practice. And for a lot of us, come on, Tell us to your teenager later, because we have a whole generation. <laughs> who think that the power of life and death is in their thumbs. Who are better at emojis than emotions. Better at texting than talking. At some point, you're going to have to realize it don't matter how much you got in your notes app. Until you start declaring some things into the atmosphere, your world is a result of the words that you speak. Come on. So we're going to say amen, amen, preach black man, whatever you want to say. You know what I'm saying? Come on, come on. We got to start preaching. Come on. Are you ready for the word tonight? Ready for the word tonight? I'm so happy to be at North Church on a Thursday night. Uh, this is an easy room to preach in. Anyone love Pastor Rodney? Come on. I love Pastor Rodney. You make me want to order some biceps. You know what I'm saying? I wish Amazon had those. Man, you look good. For, I, you came walking out in the lobby. I was like, that's a good-looking senior pastor right there. That is a fit man. Wow. That man has abs under there. I know he does. He's hiding abs under there. I can tell. I can tell. I'm not. There's no abs under here. You know what I'm saying? Stop distracting me. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go to the Word. We're going to go to the book of Matthew. Come on. Matthew, Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. I think there's a picture of my wife. You're right. My wife is overseeing our whole move to Texas right now. That's my girl right there. I love her. Uh, I always love to shout her out because if, if it was not for her, man, we would not get to do what we're called to do. And so I'm super, super excited that she allows me to travel um, and uh, we have a seven-month-old son, and I told everybody I wasn't going to show the picture to the end, but media team, I'm sorry. Can you show my seven-month-old son? He's very, very cute. I love this little boy. That's my seven-month-old son. His name is Theophilus. So I found the nerdiest name I could find. You know what I'm saying? Theophilus. So uh, if he can spell that by first grade, I've got a prodigy on my hands. So uh, come on, let's go to Matthew chapter 14. I got my Bible. If you got a physical Bible, go ahead, wave it at me. Come on, those still work. There we go. All my AP Honors Christians with physical Bibles. Let's go. Um, if you've got a device like an iPhone or an iPad, go ahead, get that out. Open up version or any place that you get the Bible from. Come on. And if you've got an Android device, just put that away. We don't need no blurry pictures from Revival. <laughs> if you're offended, just go ahead. You can email me directly if you're offended. Uh, you can email me at P-A-S-T-O-R 
R-O-D-N-E-Y at northchurch.org. I will, I will email you back expeditiously, I promise. Uh, come on, let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start reading in verse 22. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to start reading in verse 22. Um, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. No big deal. Jesus is just like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and walk on water right now. You know, NBD, no big deal. O-M-E. O-M-E. Because you know, God can't say O-M-G. In, in, okay, never mind. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay. Um, and if there's a word that I don't read, that's your turn to read the word that I don't read. Okay. When the disciples saw him walking on the, they were, they were what? They were what? Ain't it crazy how we've sometimes been trained in church to identify fear and link fear with the enemy's presence. So, so, so every time we're scared, we just go ahead and assume, let's go ahead and rebuke that because the devil's working and the devil's moving. You know what? Sometimes, actually, yeah, you're scared not because the devil's involved. You can be on the precipice of a miracle, and instead of feeling full of faith, you can feel full of fear. You can be on the breakthrough. You can be on the brink of what God is about to do, and you can be so stuck in your routine, so stuck in religion, that God begins to say, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to walk on water. I'm going to do something you've never seen before. We do not want to be the kind of people who are scared of what the new thing is that God is going to do. I'm always expecting, you know what, God? I'm ready for you to show up again. I've been saved for a long time, but I'm ready for you to do something new. And I have been a Christian long enough to know that there are sometimes in the middle of my greatest moments of fear, it is not proof that the enemy is there. It is proof that God is out walking on the water. I wonder if there's anybody, come on, who can look back over your life and say, you know what? There are some moments where, where I've been afraid and it was the spirit of fear and we want to rebuke a spirit of fear. Come on, that it was the enemy trying to bring confusion and trying to bring fear into my life. But then there are some other moments where I felt scared and it was not the devil at all. It was God doing something that was unfamiliar and uncomfortable. And we want to be the kind of people who know how to discern between the fear that is a negative that comes from the enemy and the kind of fear that, come on, brings wisdom because the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Come on, every time I'm scared, I don't need to rebuke it. Sometimes I'm scared and I need to move anyway. Sometimes I'm scared and I need to act anyway. Come on, God is not always calling you to feel faith. He's calling you to act out in faith. There are times where I'm scared and I still have to choose faith. Come on, we just reading the Bible. Come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. Let's keep reading. It's a ghost, they said. Cried out in fear. But Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Ooh, we could preach that. We could preach that right there. Come on. It says, what to courage? Take. Come on. What, what? Take. Come on. I'm not blaming people who discourage me. 
And, 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 and I'm not expecting to find people who are always going to encourage me. My courage is my responsibility. And I'm going to have to have a really aggressive attitude when it comes to my courage. Baby, I understand there are people who in, didn't encourage you. I understand there are people who discourage you. But I need you to walk into a season where you are going to take courage. Come on, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. I love this. I love this. Lord... If it's, Peter replied, tell to come to on the water. Okay, okay, okay. We got we to gotta set this up. We got to set this up. Okay. The disciples, they're in the boat. They see Jesus. They don't know if it's Jesus or a ghost. So they start having a conversation in the boat. I think that's Jesus. No, nah, that ain't Jesus. That's just a ghost. No, nah, that ain't a ghost. Judas, you don't know nothing. In my mind, it's Judas, you know what I'm saying? Judas in the corner like, I bet that's a ghost. <laughs> no. Peter and the rest of the gang like, Judas, come on, just shut up. You, you a thief anyway. You stealing money, you know what I'm saying? You don't know nothing. You ain't got no faith. That ain't no ghost. That's Jesus! So they start having this argument. And of course, you know, now Peter has to ask a really pivotal question. Lord, if it's you. tell me. to come to you. on the water. Now, this is really interesting. Uh, I, the only analogy I can use for this is um, I wonder if there's anybody who's ever signed up for a website where you got to have security questions. I hate security questions. I don't know if anybody, I, I thought I was going to get a stronger amen there. If you're in the room and you like security questions, something's significantly wrong with you. Like, seriously. Okay. How, what, what town was your mom's aunt born in? You know, like... When was you and your wife's 13th date? Like, I don't, I never, first of all, I never know the answers. So then I end up guessing. This is when I'm creating the security questions. I'm just guessing. I mean, I think, I don't know what hospital I was born in. I don't, I don't know my dad's dog's name. I, I, do not, I don't know any of these things. The first make and model of the vehicle that I had in middle school, I, I wasn't driving in middle school. I don't, I do not know, okay? So then I end up, end up guessing, and then what, what inevitably happens? I fly to like Oklahoma City, my computer realizes that I'm not in North Carolina and says, we have to ask you your security questions, okay? And first of all, I guessed when I set them up, so now I'm guessing as to what I guessed, I'm trying to figure out, if I were me, what would I guess for these security questions? Come on, come on, come on. Because in order for Dropbox to identify whether or not it's really you, they've got to ask you security questions in order to confirm your identity. All Peter is trying to do is to confirm Jesus' identity. So let's run through some security questions that would have made sense. Hey, Jesus! If it's you, what did we eat for breakfast two days ago? <laughs> right? That would have worked. But no, no, no. Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come to you. on the water. Okay, come on. I'm going to step on some toes. Uh-oh. Because see, if it's us, we start saying things like this. Hey, God, if it's you, bless me. If it's you, get me a new job. 
Okay, all the young adults who are single, come on, here we go. If it's you, have them break up with me because I don't have the courage to break up with them. If it's you really telling me to tithe, get me a job first and then I'll tithe. But what does Peter say? Get this. If it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I've been walking with Jesus long enough to know this, that if it's him, he's going to make me leave my comfort zone. If it's him, I'm not going to make him jump through hoops to prove who he is. No, if it's him, I'm the one jumping through hoops to prove that I am worthy to be a disciple. Oh no, the pressure is not on Jesus. The pressure is on me. Peter has been walking with Jesus long enough to know this. If it's really him, he'll empower me. If it's really him, he won't be content for me to spectate and watch him walk on the water, but he will want me to participate in the miracle and walk on the water as well. This is a genius security question. He says, if it's really you, I'll know that it's you and not Buddha. I'll know that it's you and not Muhammad. I'll know that it's you. I'll know that it's you because you don't hoard power. God, you share power. I'll know that it's you because you are always calling us out of our comfort zone and out of our fear. Oh, come on, come on. Can I preach this? Can, can we go? Can we go? Come on. Jesus calls Peter out of a boat that's not broken. Okay. Uh-oh. Okay, not y'all. The people I pastor back in North Kakalaki. For some of them, the only way for them to even get out the boat is for God to break it. If you need God to sink your battleship before you step out in faith, then that is an indictment on your level of faith. Come on, for some of us, God is saying the boat ain't broken, but I still need you to get out of it. You got a perfectly good job, but I've called you to start a business. You I need you to leave stuff that ain't broken yet. I need you to leave stuff behind that people look at you and say, I would have never quit that job. And you begin to say, yeah, but you don't know the God that I serve. My God is a provider, and he's been talking to me. And I don't just leave garbage. I leave good stuff because God wants me to have great stuff. I'm always willing to leave stuff behind. Just because I left it don't mean it's broken. It just means God called me to do something that has never been done before, never been seen before. He wants me to walk on water and I can't be so attached to what works. Come on, for a lot of us, we're just like, I don't understand why we would fix it if it ain't broken. And that's why you've been stuck for the last five years of your life. Because you're not willing to abandon what works. Okay, 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 here we go. For some of us, it's not that the thing in your life is good or bad. If you say to me, is a shovel good? I would say, depends on what season it is. You say, is a rake good? I'd say, uh, if you got a rake in the winter, I don't know that that's good. 
For some of the things in your life, for some of the relationships in your life, for some of the things that are in your life, it's not that it's bad, it's that it's outlasted its season. Why does God need to break the boat and you start sinking before you start believing that you could actually walk on water? Come on, come on. Here, here we go. Can we keep moving? Can we keep moving? I love this. Peter's like, hey, if it's tell to come to on the water. And, and, and I love this. All Jesus says is, come. I love it. Now, I'm Pentecostal. I believe in prophetic words. I believe in people coming up to the altar. I'm going to invite you to the altar at the end of this service. I believe in laying on of hands. But sometimes we can be so overly reliant on prophecy that you need somebody to say, Nancy. Thus saith the Lord, and look in your eyes and give you a prophetic word. Get, baby, let me tell you something. I got so much faith, whether my name is attached to it or not. If God is talking, all he has to say is come. When God says come, I don't care if he says come Manny. I don't care if he says come Christian. I'm just going to head and assume. If you say come in my vicinity, you are talking to me. I don't need a prophetic word. I need an open invitation. God, if you give me an open invitation, I will assume for some of you, you need God to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, 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 uh, Stephanie, you need to get baptized tonight. And God is going, I give open invitations. Who wants to get baptized? Okay, guess what? You're not waiting on me. I'm waiting on you. And at some point, you're going to have to hear the words come. And Peter is like, oh, yeah, I will get up out of this boat. Matthew heard the word come too. And, th and Thomas heard the word come too. Come on. Eleven disciples heard come and just assume that Peter, I guess that's a word for you. But I wonder if there's anybody tonight who said, uh-uh, this ain't a word for my neighbor. This is a word for me. I hear you, Holy Ghost. Come on. I'm not worried about whether or not my cousin is streaming tonight or whether or not this is a word for somebody. I don't know. This is a word for me. And so get this, get this. Come on. Peter starts walking on the water. Water. I don't know if you've ever tried to walk on water. I have. I was 15 years old. Christian Science Museum, the Mary Baker Eddy uh, Christian Science Center, and, and there was a reflection pool, and I was 15 years old, I was full of faith. And next thing I know, the security guard yanked me up out of the pool, I was soaking wet, it did not work, okay? I, the, my, my water walking plan was a failure, you know what I'm saying? But get this, come on. Peter walks, and then Peter sinks. And this is where I actually want to preach because Peter starts all the way over here. He sees Jesus. We know that he gets to Jesus. Why? Because as soon as he sinks, what happens? Jesus grabs him up out of the water. I cannot promise that you'll never sink. I can promise that Jesus won't let you drown though. I cannot promise. Come on. The opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is certainty. We have so many people. You don't want to know what they want? A guarantee. 
If I have faith, can you guarantee it's going to work out? And you know what I want to say? No, I cannot guarantee that it's going to work out. You may end up at the bottom of the ocean floor. Here's the only thing I can promise you is that Jesus is not going to let you drown. He may let you sink, but he is not going to let you drown. He will let you fail, but he is not going to let it be the end of you. Oh, come on. We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. He can't stop the pressing, the hard pressing, but guess what? He just not going to let you get crushed. And some of us, you think you're at the end of your rope and you're not yet. You haven't even sunk yet. You're just embarrassed it didn't work out. Come on. You get out of your feelings. We don't approach God with feelings. We approach him in faith. Okay, come on, come on. And I flew all the way here for this part of the message. Here we go. Here's the one question I have for you, North Church. All my Bible nerds, I need you to follow me. Then, uh, uh, let's see, give me, some, give me a verse. Uh, I know that's not even helpful. Okay, next verse, next verse. Come on, Come on next verse, there we go. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Ooh, I wish I could preach on the fact that Jesus said he had little faith. Little faith. The man who just walked on water had little faith. If Jesus had said to me, you got little faith, I would have had fighting words for Jesus, okay? I would have I said, come on, I would have said, do you just see me walk on water and you want to know what Jesus would have said? I didn't see you do nothing. I saw me make the water beneath you solid. I didn't see you do nothing but take another step. All I saw was you walking. I'm the one that made the water solid so you could walk on it. Come on, come on. Next verse. And when they climbed into the boat, wait, wait, when they climbed back into what? When they climbed back in the what? Wait, 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 wait. They're in the boat. Is that Jesus? I don't know. I think that's a ghost. Judas, shut up. I think that's Jesus. You get out first. Let's see how it go. Peter gets out. Jesus, that's you. Tell, tell me to come to you. And, and, and I walk on the water. Come on out, Pete. And Peter walks on the water. But he gets full of fear. He sinks. Jesus accuses him of having little faith. And then the Bible says they got back in the boat. So I came all the way to Oklahoma City to ask this question. How'd they get back to the boat? Because Jesus does not give Peter a piggyback ride back to that boat. Jesus is not going to carry Peter back to that boat. And now I can announce my title. The title of my message tonight is The Walk Back. The Walk Back. You know what's easy? Getting out of a boat. Do you know what's hard? Getting up out of the water. When you know you can fail. When you know it didn't work out. You know what's easy? Trying it the first time. Do you know what's hard? Believing God a second time. And there's a lot of us in the room. You used to have a lot of faith. At some point, you sank. And God is speaking to you tonight. Saying, can you walk back to the boat? Can you walk back to the boat? You have let failure define you. You have let sinking define you. But I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Can you walk back to the boat? I want you to try it again. I want you to believe again. I 
want you to trust me again. I want you to do what you failed at doing again. But Jesus, I tried it. Do it again. See, 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 you know what we want? We want it to work the first time. I walked on the water. Oh, wow. I didn't even think anything bad could happen. Then I sink. Now I know something bad could happen. It's harder to get out of the boat. It's harder to get up out of the water than it is to get out of the boat. For some of us, come on, getting out of the boat wasn't hard. You know why? You just had ignorant optimism. God ain't gonna let nothing bad happen. You know what? Come on. Immature faith is God ain't going to let nothing happen. So you get out of the boat. He's like, I can't believe you're walking on the water. Ow! God let something bad happen. But I still trust him. God let something bad happen. But I still believe him. God let something bad happen. But I'm not going to let that negative moment define the rest of my life. God did let something bad happen. But you know what? When there's turbulence, the plane goes higher, not lower. God did let something bad happen. But you know what? David says, it was good that I was afflicted because I learned your decree. Oh, come on. Like Job, the Lord gives and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. You didn't prevent pain, but God, I still trust you. For a lot of us, I changed my sermon while I was in my hotel room. 15 minutes before, Pastor Christian picked me up because the Holy Spirit said there's a lot of us. We're still next to Jesus. So right here with Jesus, we're just playing it safe. And Jesus is saying, hey, 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 hey. We got to get back to the boat. And Peter's going, no, 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 no. Come on. All the guys that told me not even to get out of the boat, they're going to laugh at me. But see, get this. There's a difference between walking to Jesus and walking with Jesus. Jesus begins to say, oh yeah, no, no, no. You did it for accolades before, but now you're going to do it at my pace. You were doing it because you wanted me to be impressed with you before, but now you're going to do it because you want intimacy with me. You did it before because you wanted them to see, but now you're going to do it because you've heard, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on. You're going to do it from a different place. I don't want you to walk ahead of me. I don't want you to walk through something. No, 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 no. I got you. I got you. I got you. Come on. Take another step. Oh, 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 we got this. We are going to get back to the boat. For a lot of us, we have let this sinking moment define everything about us. This is why we are saved by grace through faith. Because you can't even have faith until you have grace. For some of us, we need to forgive ourselves. A lot of us, you're like, if I had never doubted, I would have never sank. And you're still stuck in a mistake you made in 2017. And God is like, are you ready to walk back to this boat yet? I will stand here with you until you're ready to walk. 
but the boat is not coming over here. I am not carrying you to the boat. There's only one way this is going down and you are going to have to walk back to the boat. You have to walk back. I'll tell you a story. Me and my wife, we struggled with infertility for about five years. It took us a really long time to get pregnant. And we knew the whole time it must be something special about whatever baby we're going to have because every single time we'd go to the doctors, it's negative reports, bad news, and total transparency. I was the one that got diagnosed as an infertile male. Had no sperm, zero, zilch. If you don't know what sperm is, ask your neighbor. <laughs> had no sperm. Had doctors look at me, Pastor Rodney, and say, you're going to have to get a sperm donor. Your kid's not going to be biologically related to you. You know, all, all kinds of negative reports. But can I tell you something? A doctor can only tell you the facts. They cannot tell you the truth. That's not even truth until God's perspective is in it. The truth is that God had called me to be a father. The truth is that God is a healer. The truth is that God's a miracle worker. The truth is that nothing is impossible when God is involved. And so I had the best day and the worst day of my life, right at the start of a global pandemic, March 2020, best day of my life. I came back from a preaching trip and my wife had this whole elaborate setup. She had pregnancy tests and we had gotten pregnant for the very first time. We go in and, and, and we got pregnant and guess what it felt like? It felt like we had walked on water. Doctor said we would never get pregnant. Doctor said it would never happen. Baby, we've walked on water. I saw that positive pregnancy test. Oh my God, my heart leapt out of my chest. A couple weeks later, we go in for our first ultrasound. Nurse comes in, hooks up the machine, looks at me and says, there's no heartbeat. And the heart that had leaped out of my chest just a couple weeks before sank to the bottom of my stomach. I said, what do you mean there's no heartbeat? She said, the baby's not alive. The baby is not alive. And I went, what kind of God can't keep a baby alive? This is a miracle. Why would God snatch this miracle out of my life? And I kid you not, I know what it feels like to have faith, to have victory, to walk on water, and then for life to happen. And you sink to the bottom of the ocean floor. A couple of months go by. We had spent $20,000 to get pregnant. We had emptied our savings account. A couple months go by and my wife says, I want to do it again. I said, what? She said, in vitro, fertilization, I want to try IVF again. I said, are you hiding $20,000 somewhere that I don't know about? And this is where I know my wife is like, you know, challenging me. She says, do you lack faith, Pastor Manny? Because guess what? I wanted to stay right here. Because I never wanted to be that disappointed ever again. I never wanted to be that hurt because the level of disappointment always matches the level of faith that you had. You don't even know that you're in faith until you are disappointed. You don't even know you actually believe until you are in the middle of failure. And I never wanted to feel that kind of disappointment again. And there are some of us in the room, you are with Jesus, but you are playing life safe. You take no risks. Tia says, I want to try again. Kid you not, 
Robert Madu sent me $2,000 out of the blue. A, a man named Frank DiMazio sent me another $2,000 out of the blue. A couple in our church said, we just feel like you're supposed to do IVF again. Sent us $4,000 out of the blue. Friends in uh, Massachusetts sent us $2,000 out of the blue. By the time we were done, we had another $20,000 of our, none of our own strength. Did IVF again and walked back to the boat. Can we show a picture of my son? That little boy would not be here had I stayed next to Jesus, safe in my feelings, in my disappointment. Can I tell you what God wants? You thought it was a one-way trip of faith, but God is saying, I booked you a round trip ticket. I need you to believe again. You think you've got this much faith? I'm telling you, you only had half the measure. I've given you enough faith, not just to walk on the water one time, but to walk on the water a second time. Oh, is there anybody in the room who's saying, I need faith tonight. I need faith tonight. I need a download of God's faith in my life. I need to get back to the boat. Pastor Manny, you preaching to me. I got to get back to the boat. I got to get back. If that's you in the room. If you're in the room, and you're saying, you know what? There was a season. I had so much faith. I operated in victory, boldness. And man, then there was a moment that began to define my walk with Jesus. He rescued me, but I thought he rescued me to play it safe. And he's calling me back, and I don't want to do it. See, this is not Peter's first time doing something again. Bible says they had fished all night, caught nothing. Jesus, who don't know nothing about fishing, walks up on a boat and says, how about you try it again? And Peter's like, but you don't know nothing about fishing, but I'll do it again. This is not Peter's first time trying something again. Can I ask you tonight, if you're in the room and God is like, yeah, you had failed last time. I need you to do it again. It didn't work last I need you to do it again. And your stubbornness is keeping you from the miracle that God actually wants to bring into your life. If that's you, can you wave at me? If you know I'm preaching to you, can you wave at me? Can you wave at me? I need you to do one more bold thing. Meet me down at this altar. Come on, meet me down here. I want to lay my hands on you. I want to pray for you. Meet me at this altar. Come on, get as close as you can. Get as close as you can. God, we declare faith over your life right now in the name of Jesus. Faith over your life. God, we circumcise your ears. God, right now, we circumcise this man's ears to hear your voice. He's not going to hear the heckling. He's not going to hear the criticism from the boat, but he's going to hear you next to him saying, put one step in front of the other keep on walking keep on moving I'm with you my presence is with you God I thank you right now for this woman of God I praise you God we thank you right now for victory God we thank you right now what we thought was a half was a one-way ticket come on God you're renewing our faith come on giving us more faith God we need more faith come on from our bellies we want rivers of living water to flow come on hallelujah come on we can sing come on let's worship all over the place Wherever you are, come on, lift your hands.